but all his other inmates, they've lost hope in their time in the prison, and they can't see hope. And they, they tell Andy, that's a dangerous thing to believe. It's a dangerous thing to hold on to. But he says, there are some things in the world not carved out of stone, that there's a small place inside of us they can never lock away, and that place is called hope. And, uh, and eventually, Andy, after about 20 years in, in prison, Unknown to us all that time, he's been carving away a tunnel out of his prison cell. Sorry if you've not seen it. Um, and uh, he's got a tiny, tiny rock hammer, and he's been chiseling away and, and creating this tunnel. And he cl- crawls through this tunnel one night when he's had enough. And, uh, and then he accesses the, the prison sewage system, and he crawls through about a kilometer of the sewage waste from that prison. And he stands in a river, and pouring with rain, and he's free. He's broken out of the walls of that prison and it must have been an immense feeling just to be there stood as a free man again after serving 20 years of a crime he hadn't committed but the story doesn't stop there our friend Red who is still in prison Andy wants him to join him because Andy makes his way to Mexico and he finds his and he sets up a hotel by the sea and uh, he gets a fishing boat it sounds idyllic and um if I disappear one day come and find me in Mexico all right I'll be there but he tells Andy he tells Red he leaves Red instructions of where he can find him. And it's interesting because Red is a man who, who has no hope. And he makes it on the outside and he gets a job in a supermarket and he can't keep up with the demands of modern society. And he, he thinks, I'm not cut out for life on the outside. And he wants to break his parole and make his way back to prison. But he made a promise to Andy that he wasn't going to do that. And so Andy gets instructions to him to tell him where he can find him. And, Andy, and Red takes the steps He's going to make his way down to Mexico. And the film closes with Red on the bus. And it's amazing to see that transition from fear to hope. And he says, I hope I can make it across the border. I hope I can see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it is in my dreams. I hope. And it's an amazing film that, that I love. And, uh, and it does give you that sense of hope and, and how s- hope can motivate you, how hope can drive you. Andy was not prepared to allow his situations or circumstances or the other people in that prison to, to, to destroy his hope, the hope that he had. And the strapline of the film is, fear can hold you prisoner, but hope can set you free. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant line. And the, so this morning, we want to look at the power of hope. We, as a church, we're called Hope Church. And we don't want that just to be a name or just a label that we, we put on ourselves, but we want that to be a characteristic of who we are. Years ago, I remember Richard talking about hope, and he, he gave us that illustration of a piece of rock. Now, when you go and buy a piece of rock, it's usually from a seaside town, and it has something like Brighton on the end of it, and Brighton is all the way through it. Wherever you snap that piece of rock, you would find Brighton. And that's what we want us to be, a people of hope. Wherever you find us, Hope is our characteristic. Hope flows out of us. So we're going to look at hope this morning, if you hadn't guessed. Um, I spend a lot of time on the motorway, traveling up and down for work, and I spend a lot of time listening to Radio 5 Live. And sometimes I can get a bit um, distressed by what's going on in the world. Sometimes it's a bit, <laughs> it's surely this isn't the way it's meant to be. With things like Brexit that are causing such division in our nation and political parties splitting all over the place and, and, and where, whether we will ever be united again as a nation, I don't know. And things like global warming, you hear so much about global warming and then the effect it's having on us and just how it's impacting our day-to-day lives and wars and refugees trying to come back to the UK and all of this. And you think, man, 
That's not the way it was meant to be. But the thing is, there is hope. And we've got this unbelievable hope. So we're going to read Revelation 21 this morning, 1 to, 1 to 8. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first he- heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to him drink without cost. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and they will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the ar- and all the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake, burning sulfur. This is the second death. And uh, as long as the death rate stays as it is, which is 100%, we know that from everyone that's died previously, we know that it's going to happen, that we will all die one day. We will all face death one day, unless Jesus returns before then. And the fact is, because of that, we know that we have a future. We know that one day this will be a reality for us, that we, we will, God will come back and he will redeem his people. So from those words of Scripture, I just wanted to see, how do we, how do we take hope from those words of Scripture? First thing is, hope provides assurance. Quite often we don't, sorry, we don't necessarily stop, like to stop and think about death very often. We've got many distractions in this life, like the latest box set on Netflix or what have you. That, that can distract us and stop us thinking about um, mortality and the end of life. This week I went to a friend's grandfather's funeral a man I'd known when I was growing up. And funerals often give you that opportunity to stop and just reflect on life and reflect upon the confidence and the future that we will one day have. And as Christians, funerals are are funny places, aren't they? Because it's sad to say goodbye. We will miss them. But there is also a confidence and a certainty that that person is now with Jesus. And they're just beginning their life of eternity with Jesus, which is amazing. But at this funeral on Wednesday, um, as the son and daughter gave their eulogy, one thing that struck me was that this gentleman, this this elderly gentleman, for most of his life had been scared of death. Most of his life he'd been scared of God. That was because um, as a child he'd had literally the fear of God beaten into him. And so for most of his life he was just scared of death. But towards the end of his life, friends of his were able to just chat and talk him through that and work that through. And he was able to discover peace and peace with God, but also not fear death any longer. When you know the one who's going to greet you when you get to heaven, you have nothing to fear about death. What mostly when people think about hope, they often talk about it in the kind of fingers crossed sense. I hope this is the winning lottery ticket. Or, I hope today 
Man United play Liverpool at Old Trafford. And I know most of you in this room are hoping that Liverpool will stuff Man United and that Liverpool will then go on and win every game for the rest of the season and lift that Premiership title that they've not won in 29 years. Yes, I. We're all hoping for that. But the reality is there's no certainty of that. As much as I believe in Jurgen Klopp, I just can't believe that we've got that certainty. We'll have to just wait and see. You see, that's the kind of way that we use hope. We use it in an optimistic way, just hoping some of these things happen. But the way that the Bible uses hope, there's a sure and certainty that we can take from it. We can take that because it says in that passage in Revelation, he says it is done. It is done. Christ has done it all. When Christ died on the cross, that gruesome death, he did it all. He's done it for us. The power of God raised him to life, and because he raised to life, we also are raised to life with him. Because we have been bought by his precious blood, we also have that confidence and assurance that one day we will be raised and we will be in his presence for eternity. Therefore, death and sin no longer have a curse on you. You are completely free, and you have total confidence and assurance that when we die, we will be resurrected and we will be with Jesus for eternity. Isn't that amazing? How do we, sometimes we doubt that, I wonder. Sometimes we probably don't think about it enough. And sometimes I think we just need to have, take time out and just think about how we can build that confidence in each other. And one way we can do that is look about the characters in the Bible who had sure and certain hope. And one of them was Paul. Paul was a church leader. And um, as you read some of his stories, it's amazing. You you know that he really, truly believed that the best was yet to come. And he said, um, for me to live is Christ. And to die as gain. If I'm going to live in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in this body. Clearly, Paul was a man who was certain of his future. He was a man who was utterly convinced that it was better to be with Christ than to be here on this earth. But he knew while he was here on earth... He had a job to do. He had a job to do, to go and tell other people about the hope that he had. Paul was convinced that heaven wasn't going to just be sitting around on clouds playing the harp and maybe an odd game of golf here and there. Heaven was going to be an amazing place where he's with Jesus, where Jesus would dwell with him and everybody else there. He knew that was a place that he wanted to be. Are we sure that that's where we want to be? Have we got that hope and that certainty that that's where we're going to be? Another thing I love about this passage is that it tells us that the best is yet to come. The passage tells us that God's not just going to wash his hands of this earth. He's not going to think, I've had enough. It's done. It's rubbish. It's all fallen apart. He loves this creation that he created. He cares for it. He's interested in it. He's not a God that's just going to say, I'm done with that. I'm finished. He says, I'm going to make everything new. Everything that was wrong with it, I'm going to make it right. Every tear that was cried, I'm going to wipe from the eye. Everything that was knitted in the first place, I'm going to return back to its former glory. It says in Romans 8 that the earth is longing for God's return. It's crying out for God's return. Now, I've had the privilege of seeing some many beautiful places in this earth. I've seen snow-capped mountains, I've seen crystal clear waters, I've seen golden sandy beaches. 
I've seen the Malvern Hills. I've seen starlit skies. They are beautiful places. But do you know what? God's going to make it all new. It's going to be all new. And I can't get my head around how beautiful that new earth and that new heaven will be. But I know it's going to be beautiful. But he also says, as part of his promise, that there's going to be no more pain. If I was to put a straw poll around this morning and ask how many of you were sat here in pain this morning, I reckon a good percentage of you would probably put your hands up in some way or other. I've got a dodgy back. I've had a dodgy back for years. And my girls often at night time will say, can we pray for you, Daddy? And I hope my back will be sorted before I die. But if it's not, I know that when I get to heaven, I'll be free from pain. We'll all be free from pain. Isn't that amazing? It also says there'll be no more death or mourning. We know that when Christ died on that cross, death was defeated. Death has lost its sting. And so when we go to heaven, we know we will be there for eternity. And sometimes it's, it's hard to get your head around that, isn't it? Just eternity. But it's going to be a good place. And we'll be there with Jesus. But it also says there'll be no longer any hunger or thirst. It says anybody who comes to me will be free to drink without cost. What a promise. That means there'll be no longer any beggars on the street. There will no longer be images of devastating famines. We will feast at the table of the king. Can you imagine how refreshing that glass of water will be or how tender that meat will be or how sweet that fruit will taste or how fantastic that first glass of wine is going to be? Just imagine it. But also we can infer from the passage that there will be no more war. There will be no more division. No longer will nations rise up against nations. No longer will we hear stories of abuse and rape and just horrendous atrocities of war. But instead, we will be united in purpose. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be represented there. And we will stand before the king and worship together in, in unity. That is the hope and that is the certainty that we have. Our show, hope assures us the best is yet to come. And because of that, because we know the best is yet to come, hope changes our perspective while we're here. Hope liberates us to live completely differently because I have hope I don't have to worry or be apprehensive about the future to come but I don't but that changes the way I live now because I if you don't believe that truth you can get caught up in today's mindset where you've got to live life to the max you've got to get everything you can out of this short time we're only here for 75 odd years get the most out of it get every enjoyment you can But if you believe the best is yet to come, you live in a completely different way. No longer trying to get the most out of everything, but you live for him. You lay down your life for him because you know the best is yet to come. The Bible reminds us that we're now citizens of heaven. We're just aliens here. We're just passing through. Our bags are packed and we're just, we're, we're waiting to go home. And you know what? It means... The things we've got here on earth, we're just stewards of. God's just given them us for a time, whether that be our finances. Like Richard's mentioned this morning, in a few weeks' time, we've got an offering. I I encourage you to, as you pray and think about that, think about that with an eternal perspective. Think about how much you're going to give from an eternal perspective. Think about, it changes the way we think about our homes, our possessions, our children, our jobs, our time. God's given us these things, but we're just stewards of them. We just, we hold them lightly. 
until he calls me home. I've got to use those things for his glory. We haven't got shares here in this world. We can't take anything with us. While I was at this funeral on Wednesday, um, the guy who died was quite a, a joker. If you know the hunting family, it, they're kind of dodgy jokes, but they, but they are the hunting style kind of jokes. And, and the one was, they, they quoted one at the funeral, and it said there was a very wealthy man, and he died, and uh, in his will, he made sure that his wife um, put all his money in the coffin with him so he could take it with him to the next life. And uh, at the funeral, everybody was asking the wife, um, how are you going to survive? What are you going to do? He said, it's okay. I wrote him a check and told him to cash it when he got there. <laughs> but but, but the, the point is true. We can't take any of that with us. We can't take any of the money with us. We can't take anything we've got in this life with us. So invest it now. Invest in an eternal future. But also, because we've got an eternal perspective, because we have a hope, because we have a sure and certainty, it, it compels us to have a heart for the lost and the broken. Because we know where we're going. We know the certainty we have. But I read verse 8 of the passage this morning that we read, looked at, because it's really key. We can, we can look at the, up to verse 7 and think, yes, we've got a sure and certain hope. We've got an amazing future. But the reality is those who don't know Jesus, our friends, our colleagues, our families, our neighbours, the people on the street that don't know Jesus yet, their future is very different. And that what it said in that passage was that it's a lake of fiery fire, of sulphur. It's, it's separation from God. And, I, and what I take from that passage is that hope that we have. And it compels me to think, I've got to tell others about this hope that I've got, this sure and certainty that I've got. We've got a responsibility to, to tell other people about the hope and the certainty that we've got. As so I hope as we, as we read those passages, it, it, it breaks our heart for those that don't know Jesus yet. It breaks our heart because we know what their future looks like. We sung about God's goodness and righteousness this morning. And we have to believe that God will right every wrong. And because of that, he has to be just. Because he's all loving, because he's all good, he's also just. And so every sin that's been committed, every hurt that's been committed against someone else, God has to make right. He said he will wipe every tear from every eye. And God has to make it right. And the way he does that, he will judge everybody in, on the last day. And we that have hope, we that know Jesus, Jesus will stand in our place. And God will look upon them, upon us, and see Christ's righteousness, which is amazing. But for those who don't know Jesus, they won't have that. So I encourage us, let's share the good news of Jesus. And if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, the gospel is simple. It says in John 3, 16, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. It's simple. If you don't know Jesus this morning, it's simple. Acknowledge that he is the one. He is the one. Acknowledge that he died on the cross for us. Acknowledge that he gave his life for you, that he can take away your sin. Repent of your sin. Say, Lord, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. And if, if you're not a Christian this morning, I encourage you, speak to someone that is. Come and speak to one of us at the front. And just, we'd love to lead you to Lord Jesus. We'd love you to know the hope and the certainty that we have. 
Eternal life is a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You just have to say, Lord Jesus, thank you. You died on the cross for me. I'm going to invite the band up if they're around. I've lost Josh. Oh, he is there. Thank you, Josh. Um, and we're going to sing in a moment, in Christ alone, my hope is found. But before I do that, I just want to leave you with some just really simple application points. And the first question, the question is more than anything. Are you sure and certain of the hope that you have? If you're not, let me encourage you. Spend time just reading God's word. Spend time looking at the characters in the Bible that know, who knew the hope and certainty they had. And let it inspire you. And let's be a people that encourage one another to that hope and certainty. The second thing is, are we living with an eternal perspective? Are we believing the, yes to, the best is yet to come? Are we allowing that to, to, to help us make the decisions in this life? Are we investing in the, in the kingdom? Are we prepared as a community to allow each other to challenge one another when we make choices and decisions that probably think not looking at the eternal perspective, such as if we buy a 50-inch TV screen, do we really need a 50-inch TV screen? Or could some of that money be used for God's kingdom? And the last one, allow hope to motivate you to share the good news of the gospel. We have a sure and certain hope. We have an amazing hope. Let's share it with others. Don't let those around us like Red try to diminish Andy's hope. But let our hope shine through. It says in Colossians, Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, lives in you. Let's let Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, shine out of us. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Josh to lead us in that amazing song in Christ.